Well, Ephesians chapter 1 has been looking at the blessings of Christ that we have in Christ. All the blessings come in Christ, in Him, in Jesus, in the Beloved. And we have seen several of those as we have looked at this very long one sentence, verse 3 all the way to verse 14 is one long sentence looking at all the blessings that are flowing from God the Father through His Son into our lives. He has chosen us or elected us to be His children. We're in Christ. That happens. He has predestined us to be adopted as sons. He has accepted us, redeemed us, forgiven our sins, His grace abounds towards us. He's made us know the mystery of His will. He's given us an inheritance. All of this is part of the glorious gospel. When people say, I want to believe in Christ and have eternal life, the forgiveness, the grace, the adoption, the redemption, all the blessings keep flowing through that fellowship and connection with Christ. And today we're going to look at the final blessing, and that is the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and the Lord dwelling in us. So we are spirit, soul, and body. If you look around, a matter of fact, C.S. Lewis pointed out that whoever God is, he's in three persons, three dimensions. He knew that. Because everything in creation is that way. Time, past, present, future. We look at the atom. Three parts. And you you look at the world and God made everything in his image. And we see it that way also in the home, the father, the mother, the child. You can just keep going through it and you'll see that there is this mystery being revealed that whoever created this place sees everything in three dimensions, wants us to experience things in three dimensions. And so we discover in the Bible that man is not just body. It's amazing to me that people, especially of science, can say, That's all there is, is the body. It's ridiculous. There's much more than the body going on here. So some will say, well, we're a soul. Yes, we have a personality. We have a will. We can make choices. But it's not not unnoble to me that they don't see the spirit because we're going to learn in Ephesians going on that the spirit is dead within the soul because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And so men are only walking according to the body. They only can think in the natural mind according to the body. It's ridiculous to say that's all there's to us is body because there's clearly a personality. There's clearly different types of personalities. We all have written in us, doesn't matter where you live in the world, a moral code. Lying is wrong, rape is wrong, murder is wrong, adultery is wrong. Commitment, loyalty, honesty, all the virtues are good things. We all, doesn't matter if you're in communist China or out in the middle of the jungle of New Guinea or downtown New York, we all have this written code from somewhere. Somebody wrote this code within our souls. So try to picture right now that there is this soul going throughout my body. So try to picture a, a uh, I, don't, I don't know, some kind of uh, invisible, but make it a little milky color if you would. Okay, and just picture it. Um, there it is. We're talking about the spirit today.
Get behind me, Satan. So, picture, if you would, this soul. And so it, it encompassed my entire body. Now, now, just for a moment, make the body disappear. And now all you see is a soul. Do you got that? That never dies. Once that's created in the mother's womb at conception, it will live forever. So we, God made us souls, and then he put us in this body. And so the body is what we can see to communicate as a soul. We then need to say, okay, within that soul is a spirit. That spirit is made for communion with God. He doesn't need our bodies to communicate with them. He communicates on a much higher level. His spirit can speak to our spirit, and our spirit can speak to his spirit. He hears the meditations of our heart or our spirit. Now, as we study the soul and the spirit, you, you really can't see that much of a difference. There is a difference because Ephesians or Hebrews chapter 4 says that it's a very fine line, but it can be separated like the bone and the marrow can be separated so the soul and the spirit can be separated. But often those words are used interchangeably in the Bible. And the spirit is that part of us, a part of our soul, if you would, that was made to communicate with God. However, that spirit can also communicate with other spirits. The soul can communicate with souls. Sometimes we see people acting all happy and everything, but yet everything in us says they're really grieved. They're really sad. Even though their body's telling me, oh, things are great, I'm happy. But yet we, we hear a, a deeper communication of soul to soul. And so we could all listen to a country and western song about a guy loving his dog and how his dog's his best friend and then his dog dies. And all our souls are stirred. And maybe we had a similar experience with the dog. And it reminded us of our faithful dog that also died. And so we weep. So somebody can tell me a funny story about how they were raised and I had a similar. I'm laughing. Souls can speak to souls. Souls can help souls. Souls can comfort souls. But yet, nothing will fulfill us until we have that connection with our Creator. But when Adam and Eve died, when they were in the garden, it was spirit, soul, body. Their body was, was very minimal to them. They, they didn't even really notice their own body. They didn't really notice each other's body. It was about the life in the spirit. It was about a life soulishly experiencing the world. But when they sinned, it got flipped. It was about their body. They were naked. They were ashamed. Their body, their body. And then their soul. And now that spirit, the Bible tells us, was spiritually dead. And so when they had children, they were body, they were soul. But spiritually, they could not have that fellowship with God as one has when his spirit is alive. Now, when we look at the Bible, it, it tells us there's actually three workings of the Spirit in the New Testament. It tells us that the Holy Spirit is in the world. As a matter of fact, James 6, John 16 says it's convicting men of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So before we went out witnessing yesterday, I was praying all week, Lord, send your Spirit to convict men before we get there. 
Often men are ready to receive Christ because the Holy Spirit has done such a thorough work in bringing conviction upon them before we ever come. And then after Christ died and rose again, he can now give us life. As you read in John 4 and in John 7, it says, I will give you of my spirit and it'll spring forth as a water where you never thirst again. It'll spring forth as a torrent of water springing forth to everlasting life. So the spirit can become alive in Christ and God's spirit lives in our soul, bringing our spirit to life and now no separation. His spirit is communicating, fellowshipping, living with our spirit, keeping our spirit alive. And then there's another work of the spirit where the spirit can come upon us in power. And that's what we see in Acts chapter one and two, the spirit coming upon the apostles in power to make them witnesses. Now that working of the Spirit coming upon people, we see throughout the whole, whole Old Testament. The Spirit came upon Samson and he killed the thousand Philistines. We see the Spirit coming upon people that really were not even right with God for the most part. The Spirit came upon Balaam and he prophesied. And it tells us in Jude, we will not be seeing Balaam in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 7, many will come and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Balaam will be one of those. Did I not work miracles in your name? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Judas will be one of those. They went out in twos and cast out demons and came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subjected to us. And Jesus said, don't rejoice with your power over demons. Rejoice, your name is written in the book of life. We see the spirit coming upon King Saul to be king, anointed king. But he also prophesied and they said, wow, is Saul now a prophet as well? So even today, the spirit can come upon people and work miracles, but the spirit's not in them because they have not gone through that one door of salvation by faith alone in Christ. Jesus said it's a narrow road that leads to life. There's only one way unto the Father through Jesus Christ. And men trying to bring in their religion. We see several books in the New Testament trying to help the Jews to let go of their religion, of the law, and of their good works, and of all their rituals and traditions to buy them favor with God. David saw that. He said if sacrifices and offerings and burnt sacrifices would would do the trick I'd do it but it's not doing it but as you remember Saul when he disobeyed God and offered up sacrifices only priests were to do the spirit departed from Saul David in the Psalms cries out oh take not thy Holy Spirit from me David never had the Holy Spirit in him Remember when John the Baptist was imprisoned? Jesus talked about him. And he said, from the beginning of time to this point, there's never been a greater human being that's ever lived on this earth than John the Baptist. Pretty powerful. But I say to you, the least person in the new kingdom after Jesus died and rose again would be greater than him. How is that possible? Because for the first time, the Holy Spirit would not just come upon people for acts of power and anointing, but now the Holy Spirit could live in us. And the Holy Spirit living in us is the greatest thing that's ever happened on this earth. Jesus Christ took his sins upon us and those who now believe in him become righteous as Jesus is righteous. 
There's a picture of that in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit filled the temple. The Holy of Holies and the temple and the priests had to leave because the kind of glory came upon it. But then later when the people sinned, that Shekinah glory was gone. Well, now the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God's Holy Spirit is filling up this temple. And he will never leave it ever. So when we are talking about the Holy Spirit coming into us, we need to say one more thing about that. And that is the Holy Spirit is the seal of God upon our lives. And that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That his spirit entered into us and we will always remain with God's spirit in us and with us and around us. So if you do the math up to this point, we've been talking about in John 10 where Jesus says, all who believe in me, I've got them in my hand and of those are in my hand, none shall perish, but all of them I shall raise up in the resurrection. And greater even than that, my father also has you in his hand. He's greater than all. And he also will never let you go. No one will ever snatch him out of my father's hand. So Jesus is God as he said, he's never going to let us go until salvation's complete in our new bodies in heaven. And the Father says, I'm going to never let you go <laughs> until you're complete in heaven. And now we learn that the Spirit is now not going to let us go. That he's coming into us and he is never going to leave us or forsake us. But he is our guarantee. So let's look at this now in Ephesians 1 verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So once again, we see this phrase, in him. All the blessings flow. Here, now the final blessing of the Holy Spirit coming into our life is through Jesus, being believing in Jesus it's a connection with Jesus. Jesus is the elect of the Father. We are now in Christ, so we are the elect. Jesus is perfect in righteousness. We are in Jesus. And so we are now perfect in righteousness. Jesus is accepted by the Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. My beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We are now accepted equally by the Father. And so, Jesus has an inheritance, and Jesus shares his inheritance equally with us. It all comes from having that connection in Christ. Now, notice it goes on to say, in him you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed. Notice how this works. You trusted but you couldn't trust it until you knew about it. You had to hear about it first, right? And what did you hear? You heard the gospel, the simple gospel. Jesus said in, or the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, he says, I fear for you that you've left the simplicity of Christ for another gospel, for another religion. It's simple. Whoever believes in me, I give them a right to become children of God. Whoever receives me, believes in me, trusts in me, I will give him eternal life. And so we, we, we see Paul talking about this in Romans 10, very practically, in verse 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him who they not believed? But how shall they believe in him who they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad, glad tidings of good things. So they can't believe if they don't know about it, right? And they can't know about it unless somebody tells them. 
and somebody needs to tell them, needs to sense, like, I, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do is tell them. And see, that's the rub. Especially, I believe, in the Western culture, we live by our body's fillings. Well, my body is not filling singing today, so I won't. My body's not feeling like I should read the Bible today, so I won't. My body's not feeling this desire to pray, so I don't. Well, I, I would share the Lord with this guy at the gas station, but I'm just not feeling it. I think we've got to quit listening to our body. And we need to listen to the truth. Well, sometimes in my spirit, I feel this leading. That, that's wonderful. There's sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm just overcome with feeling love for my wife. And then there's times I wake up in the morning going, somebody shoot me, where's the coffee? But do I love my wife on those mornings? I know I do, but I just, uh, I'm just not feeling it. I'm feeling like it's like a, somebody ran over me. You can't go by your feelings. 99% of the time, they will lead you astray. Just like the possibilities of COVID killing you. 99% of the time, it won't. Well, we have been sent. You don't need to fill it. I don't know if I feel being sent. You don't have to feel it. Well, I don't know if he's going to hear it. You don't have to wonder about that. Well, I'm not sure what to say. You don't need to worry about that. Well, I don't know if I have enough time. You got, you got a second? Surely you got a second? Matthew 28, Jesus says the last word. Man, the most important gospel, really. He, he says here, he came and spoke to them the final thing here in Matthew 28. The, the book ends after this. All authority and power is given to me in heaven. And only in heaven do I have authority. Is that what Jesus says here in Matthew 28? Read it, guys. Look at it. You're like, man, I don't have to think. I'm at church. Do I have to think? Yeah, you got to think. Jesus says all power and authority has been given to me. In heaven and where else? On earth. Well, Jesus is gone to the right hand of the Father. Jesus is everywhere. He's spirit. There is not a place in the universe, in the earth, anywhere where God is not present. David finally got that. If I were to sit into heaven, you're there. If I were to go into the depths of hell, you're there. If I go to the past, you're there. If I go to the future, you're there. You're everywhere, past, present, future. Every ounce of space that exists, God's presence is there. All authority has been given to me. So now, what does that mean to you, that Jesus has all power and authority in the heavens and the, on the earth? You don't have to wonder. He tells you in verse 19, since all this power and authority has been given to me, go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and tell people to become followers of Christ. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2. I charge you, this is a general to a, those under him, uh, under his command. I command you, as a, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Here it is. Be ready in season and what? Out of season. Do, do, do you realize there is no other season? We are always either in season or out of season. But that covers 12 months out of the year. That covers all 365 and a quarter day years every year. When I'm feeling it, when I'm not feeling it. When I feel good about myself, when I feel horrible about myself. When I feel spiritual, when I feel unspiritual. When I feel like I'm a righteous guy, when I feel like I'm the worst sinner in the world. 
any season of your fillings are covered. In season, out of season. And he says, do it, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So uh, yesterday we went out and, and witnessed, and honestly, I have not done that in a long time. I'm ashamed to say that it's been a very long time. And uh, Matthias has been doing it, so I was sort of riding his coattails, had him come and share what he's been doing. And so we started, he's like, hey, there's so many people in the park, let's hit that first. Came up, the very first guy. Say, hey, Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you. And, and handed it to him. And this guy was so open. But he was watching his kids. So he's like, ah, I want to have this conversation, but I, I, I also have the responsibility of watching my little kid. But it was mind-boggling. Every question that Thias asked him, he wanted to know the answer. We went around the corner here. There's some kids playing soccer right over here. And I was thinking, oh man, I, I know how I was as a teenager. I don't want to stop playing. <laughs> we walked up and his friend was out here and we, he just stopped. His friend just sat there, just sort of stood around quite some time. And we just, Matthias was talking to him, just asking him questions. And he's like, you know, do you, do you believe, are you a believer? Well, I'm a Catholic. Okay, do you, do you know that how to have eternal life? No. If you were to die today, would you know that you're going to heaven? Absolutely not. That worries me. Would you like to know how to have eternal life? Yes. It, it was amazing. And then I started sharing a little bit because I'm like, I want to get in on this. And, and this guy, he just... I came to the place, I'm like, so you believe now that Jesus Christ died, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, and that he is the full payment for your sins by faith alone. Yes, I believe that. Well, do you want to confess with your mouth to him in a prayer? He's like, yes. It was just a powerful moment. And I said, here's a track in the Gospel of John for your buddy. You can share with him. So as soon as he walked away, his friend beelined right towards him. I felt it was the Lord to just keep him by himself. And that's why his friend just stood around for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. We went up to doors and Merry Christmas and Jesus loves you. And people are looking like, what are you doing at my door? And as soon as we said that, it was like they were healed. Their door opened and they're like, that, that, that alone, those two sentences... You could tell it just gave them hope. People are shuddered. They're afraid. They're worried. They're, you know, they're, they're going to die. And, uh, and, and they're depressed. And the, the world's falling apart. And they can do nothing about it. They can't even leave their house without. It was just, it was just amazing. I, I, I literally later, Craig I called and said, how did it go? And we talked to him like, we literally could raise the hope level of all our Jerusalem here by saying nothing other, just knocking on the door, saying Merry Christmas, and going to the next door. We could do great good. Now, that would only be soulish, right? That would be a soul. This is why many pastors fail their churches. They give them a soulish message. They make them laugh. They make them cry. They, they make them feel motivated to live for Christ, but it's all on a soulish level. It's not going to sustain them. They need the Spirit. They need the words of the Spirit. They need to hear from the Spirit of God. They need to tune into that channel. He's been convicting them of sin and righteousness of judgment and drawing them to himself, but they need to now turn to that channel and hear exactly what he's saying. And it was amazing to see so many that... that you know, would say, hey, I, I do believe. What do you believe in? Well, I believe in God. What do you believe about God? Well, I, I don't really have to believe anything. I'm a Catholic. The priest does all of that believing for me. Seriously, that was sort of the response. One guy in particular said, look, I, I don't 
we, we, we asked him if he knew the gospel. He's like, yeah, just go to church and listen to the Catholic priest. That's it. Well, do you know John 3.16? That's why we have priests. <laughs> they know the Bible. We don't, we're, we don't need to know the Bible. I just go to church and I, the Catholic priest says stuff. Honestly, I don't really pay attention. And the couple of times I have in the last 30 years, I don't really know what he's talking about. I really don't get it. But I'm guaranteed if I just go to church, take communion, go to confessional on occasion, I'm, I'm in. I'm good. I, there's nothing more I need to know. This is where repentance needs to come. Repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead religion. Repentance from believing the gospel of the Nicolaitans, which is we will be your intermarry between God and man. We'll be your spiritual being so you don't have to worry about the things of the Spirit at all. Boy, Satan loves that, doesn't he? Satan would love us not to walk in the Spirit. Satan would love us to only have a soulish spiritual life and not to have a genuine personal spiritual life where we are hearing from God and God's speaking to us and we're praying to him and letting his word speak to us and we're being growing in the inner man, the spiritual man. But in many cases, we're like, you know what? That's not enough. You, you need to know the gospel. Can I share the gospel? Yes, yes. Well, it's right here. Then at one point, Matthias and Kurt broke off, and I just said, man, I've got half an hour before i got to pick up my mother-in-law. I, I'm going to hit every house I can. And came to a house, and a very delightful guy, and I said, yeah, Merry Christmas, and Jesus loves you. And he goes, well, thank you. And I said, I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to ask you if you're a believer. He goes, oh, I'm a very strong believer, but in a different religion. I said, what religion is that? He goes, I'm Jewish. Happy Hanukkah. I said, happy Hanukkah and Shabbat Shalom. It was Saturday. And I said, you know, I very much believe in your Bible. Study it, teach it. But I clearly see it's pointed to your Messiah, Jesus Christ. And do you know anything about that? No, never heard anybody mention that uh, like that. I said, would you like to know how the prophecies point to Jesus? Absolutely. I said, let me, let me get something. I'll come back and talk. He goes, looking forward to it. Off to the next house. Was able to share the Lord with one guy. He was broken. Last few months, he's been through a divorce. He's moved away. He's separated from his kids. He's just, just hopeless. And brought the gospel, and he so willingly received it, so joyfully received it. And I just realized, without God, without hope in this world, we need to share the gospel, just be the light to the world. They need light. We are the light. We're the salt. We're what brings flavor. We're what heals wounds. We're what brings preservation I was terrified all week I almost had an ulcer before Saturday came I'm like wake up Saturday morning I've got to go witness I'm like oh my gosh by the time we hit the second person I'm like all fear I just realized Satan's got us where he wants us Satan really has got the media to basically brainwash us that the world does not want to hear about Christianity. You're narrow-minded, you're wicked, you're evil, you're oppressive. You're basically telling everybody to hate homosexuals and you're not open to trans... You guys are the most worst, hateful, horrible people. Nobody wants to hear a word you have to say. There's two guys all day that act angry that we were there. We just said, God bless you, and walked away. But everybody else, 
that you, you could tell that God's spirit was bringing light. Open the door. Merry Christmas. Jesus is here to tell you Jesus loves you. The door then opens. It's like, I'm afraid. Light. Hope. Many were believers in Christ. They actually go to, man, there are so many churches in OC. I feel like I walk out the door, I'm going to trip over five of them on the way to the car. And, and some of them pretty good churches, I guess. I don't know, I'm new here, but they needed encouragement too. And several of them that went to some pretty substantial churches. I'm like, do you know, do you know how to have eternal life? Well, you, you believe in Christ. Yeah? Can you share a verse that would help a person? No, I can't really think of one. Can I tell you how you can have eternal life? I know that you do. I believe you're a believer. But then you'll know how to share with somebody else. And if I give you this right here, you promise me you'll take this and share this with one other person. They took the track going, yeah, I absolutely will. And you just realize when you walk away, it's like, oh, the light clicked on. They were sort of in the COVID coma spiritually, you know. Spiritually, it just sort of turned off this last 2020. I think a lot of people don't think much about God outside of Sunday morning. I think they come to church Sunday morning and, and they don't think about it again until next Sunday morning. We, we would honestly be better to have no church than that for that to happen. Walking with Christ is a daily thing. This is just a gas station to pump up, get strengthened. God's Spirit pouring on us and fill us with this Holy Spirit to go out and to really do the church. Really be the church, not to go to church. The Lord never says, go to church. He, he says, gather together with the brethren. He says, you are the church. You're my bride. But this dead religious thing where we become, we lose our love for Christ or we become lukewarm to Christ. That's a horrible way to have a marriage. In 2, Tim, in 2 Timothy 4, 5, he goes on to say, but you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. There it is. What is sharing your faith? It's afflicting. <laughs> afflicting emotionally, afflicting. I, you know what? I, honestly, 33 years I senior pastor to Calvary San Diego. I lived a year in Costa Rica. I've been numerous places in the world preaching the gospel on the streets. I have never experienced such spiritual warfare as here. <laughs> Satan's got this place and he is offended at the idea of me stepping outside the church walls, so to speak, and taking Christianity to somebody that I don't personally know or am connected to. He, he is ticked at even the consideration of us doing that. It doesn't take all of us. It just takes a couple of obedient people to say, I'll take five of those tracks, things, these things here, and I'm going to give one away a day, tell somebody Jesus loves them and hand it to them and ask them if they know how to have eternal life. If they were to die today, would they, are they certain they'd go to heaven? I think, I think spiritually it would break down Satan's strongholds, not just for us, but for all the churches that that need to quit being religious and churchy and start really having a real Christianity that changes the world around us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 to 20. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Christ has given you all power and authority has been given unto Christ. He's now given you to be an ambassador for him. He's given you to go into the world. Look at verse 19. That is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness, 
do not sin. This is not the sin of commission of doing something sinful. This is the sin of omission, not doing something when you should do it. Notice, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He's in essence saying it's not the sin of lusting or greed or bitterness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sin of just not opening your mouth wide and letting the Lord fill it. I'm talking about putting the lamp under the bed where nobody can use it. It's not helpful to anybody. Bring the lamp out and shine it brightly. We are sent. And look what happened to us when somebody came into our world. The rest of verse 13 here. So when you, he said, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see the Holy Spirit come into somebody's life and God's Spirit to wait, to bring them, rise them from the dead. Spirit, their spirits alive. Whoa! I can see in color. I can see a spiritual world. I can hear God. The channels, the channel, I didn't even know that radio station existed. And now my heart's hungry. My, I'm, my, my spirit is thirsty to know more. So what is meant by the sealing of the Holy Spirit? In the first century, the word sealed simply means, as you know, you'd have your wax you would pour, then your ring you would stamp, and that showed ownership. And you would put that on the letter, so if the letter were to be opened, the, the seal would be broken. And this is what they did when they shipped stuff, especially from the east over to Europe and especially Rome. They would come in and you knew that that package was sent from one guy to another guy. And until the owner of that package was there, nobody was to break that seal, right? Especially like with the tomb. Remember the Pharisees like, hey, we need you to seal this thing. Okay, do what you need. And they gave him a Roman seal and they put that on Christ's tomb saying, if you open that, you are sinning against the empire of Rome. All of Rome is going to chase you down and kill you. Because nobody is to touch that except the emperor or the, those who he's appointed to break that seal. In the same way, the seal, God's stamp in us, his ownership of our life is a spirit. Nobody's to tamper that. I, I love the way this verse reads in the NIV. It says, You also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I love that. That when we said, Jesus, I believe, he marked us with his Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 16, it says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. Isn't that awesome? I want to be a child of God. God's Spirit says, you are. I wouldn't be in you. Jesus' stamp wouldn't be upon you in your soul unless you were his. And now you're traveling to your destination. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says you are the temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God. You are not your own. Aren't those great words? Well, I'm afraid I'm going to lose myself. You, you, you are the treasure. <laughs> you, you're the package. The package is being carried through time and space. But the package is heading to heaven. That now the outer shell of this package is going to die, right? It's going to be go back to the dirt from where it came from. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, our bodies shall return. But our soul, it never dies. It's eternal. It leaves this body joyfully and now enters into the presence of God waiting for the day of the rapture when we get our new shell. Our new body. It'll probably look much like a human body is now from what I gather. 
because we see angels looking like young men and we see Jesus resurrected and will be resurrected like him. And he looks like he ate and drank at physical form, not the limitations of physical form. He could go right through walls. There was no, he was more soul. The body is more spiritual and soulish than it is physical as we know it now. And so the body, the, the seal of the spirit says, Jesus is our owner. But what else does it say? Nobody else better touch that. Doesn't it? Jesus, hey, I own that. I mean, don't you hate porch pirates? You know, they're following the, the, the truck around delivering packages, and then they pull up in their car as soon as the guy leaves. They run and they grab the packages. It's like, hey, that package was delivered for me. And you're coming on my porch and running off with my package. That's pretty personal. Doesn't it feel personal? It just feels like, hey, you know how long it took me to pick that out on Amazon? Like, I don't know, 40 seconds? It was a lot, a lot of thought gone into that. Push that button. Do you realize how much that took? That's mine. This is what we find in Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? We know Satan does. People do. We often are the condemners of ourselves. But it's Christ who died, furthermore is risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who makes intercessions for us. And then the third thing the Holy Spirit does is give us security. Ephesians 4.30, the second part of that verse says, By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You're not sealed for a little while. We don't have to pray that prayer like David did in the Psalms. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Holy Spirit's not just upon us. Holy Spirit's in us to never leave us or forsake us. And this is what Ephesians 1.14 says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is a guarantee, a down payment, a certainty that we are going to make it safely to our home port. Philippians 1.6 He who began this good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until the UPS store in the sky delivers us on God's front door. <laughs> Where there is no porch pirates up there. There's no thieves to steal it. God's going to deliver us there. His seal, his address, we're delivered there. In Romans 8, 22, we know that the whole creation right now groans, laboring with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have in the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, what? The redemption of our body. We are waiting to be delivered to our heavenly destination. And we are not going to be satisfied in our spirit. Our spirit's groaning. Our spirit's hungry. Our spirit's thirsty. Our spirit is pilgrim, a stranger here. This is a weird, difficult place for us because we want to live in the spirit and everything is living in the flesh. Even my body's living in the flesh. The atmosphere of our world is in the flesh. Satan is joyfully the prince of the power of the air trying to get everybody to, to live according to his philosophies and theologies, which are demonic. But the fact that we have this stamp, this guarantee, is saying God is going to complete the work he began in us. In Hebrews 6, he says God swore by himself. There's none greater. He made this oath that he's going to finish this work. In Hebrews 6, 17 and 18, thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That is, by two immutable, unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled the refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. So in our minds, we're like, it can't be true that God's wanted me to go to heaven because I'm still struggling so much. 
I'm still so sinful. I'm still so carnal. I get so angry at times. I get so lustful at times. I, I, I get so depressed at times. I, I, I don't want me even for a day. Why would God want me for eternity? And as our minds wrestling with these things, we get our eyes back on the Lord, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We get our eyes back in the Lord, like it says in 2 Timothy 2.13. Who are we looking to? Who is it that stamped us with his ownership and his spirit lives in us? One who is always faithful because he can't deny his own nature. Even when we are faithless, not weak in faith, not struggling in faith, when we have completely lost all our own faith. Like the prodigal son did, right? The father never changes. Jesus has stamped us with this Holy Spirit. The Jesus got me here. The father's got me here. The Holy Spirit's got my soul. God will not lie to you. In Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and he will he not do? Or has he spoken, will he not make good? In Titus 1, 2, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Do you remember that? Twice the word predestined was used. He predestined it. The moment we believed in him, he set this unchangeable plan that we are now in him and we are going to be in our new bodies glorified together with him. And now we can be confident and certain and at peace and at rest that God who began this work will complete it. There's so many right now with fear. There's so many afraid of so many things. It's, the, it's how... Satan controls. It's how communism controls. Create fear and tell the people the only thing that can alleviate your fear is the government, or in this case, Satan. No. We are to be living on this earth with no fear. The fear of man is a snare. In 2 Corinthians 5.5, leaving this body and being with the Lord is exactly why the Spirit is with us. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing, to leave this body and to be with the Lord one day in our new body, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Lord, we ask right now in Jesus' name.